0: I can't imagine sitting up here working on on my computer in the afternoon. You know, I'm I'm in the middle of a project and I know that I know that dinner's coming. You know, mm-hmm. like I I know that it's it's about time for me to come down, but I just have a few more things that I need to do. What if you were to come up and be like, "Ben, it's dinner time and you put my computer <laughs> to sleep."
1: Oh yeah. my gosh.
0: I I would be so upset.
1: I would probably punch myself. What? It's a really jerk thing to do. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> Hey, Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm a little sleep deprived today, but How it's you been,
0: doing? I am too. It's been one of those weeks.
1: Yeah. Been a little bit dumb.
0: Well, and so it was like Monday through Wednesday. It was just interruptions. Yeah, just and as
1: we're like falling into that like the alm- the, the in-between stage between wakeful and asleep. Just as you're falling into that, somebody comes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, knocking on the door. I hope the microphone picked that up. It's okay. We'll have Aaron add in the sound effect later if not.
1: Oh, yeah. You're silly. Yeah. So it's been a little uh, crazy lately.
0: Yeah. But then after Wednesday, it was like my body started adjusting to that. And and then I just was having trouble
1: Mm -hmm.
0: after that, falling asleep before a certain time.
1: Yeah. It's terrible. Well, the kids are about to start school too. And uh, I have a little bit of anxiety about all of that. So we have number three starting kindergarten and, you know, it's, it's just that emotional thing of having a kid go away from you for seven hours a day. Yeah. So that's, that's basically why I haven't been able to sleep lately.
0: It's weird too when, when sleep is scarce and and it's you feel protective of it if it seems like that's when it's harder to get. Yeah. I'm you know I'm laying in bed next to you and I and I feel like I can't even move because if I turn <laughs> or shift it's going to wake Rachel up. And then
1: It usually she, doesn't though.
0: Yeah, I know that. No, I know, I know that it probably won't, but it's just a, a mental thing. Yeah. When I don't, when it's like, I, you know, I don't have anything that I have to be up for the next day. That's when I fall asleep really easily. Yeah. So anyways, well, today we're talking about how to help your sticky brained child get unstuck. I believe it was Brooks in the chat room that said when he read the title, he thought of nachos for some reason. <laughs>
1: Sticky brain child? Yeah, I don't get the connection. Hmm. Well, nachos make sticky hands, so.
0: Oh, yeah, if you have that kind of runny Mm. fake cheese on it. Yeah. Yeah. Sticky brain. So some of you probably hear that title and think, oh, I know what a sticky brain is. But in case you don't, I wanted to go over what a sticky brain child is. And it has to do sometimes with personality. Sometimes it has to do with environment. Sometimes it has to do with uh, with other developmental things. But, but very generally speaking, a sticky brain child gets so engrossed in an activity that they have difficulty leaving that activity when it's time to move on. Some other characteristics can be that they'll get an idea or or have some idea of something they want to do and they can't let that, they have a really hard time letting that idea go. Mm -hmm. Some sticky brain children have a really hard time when there's a change in routine, even when it's the routine is calling for something that they don't particularly want to do. And then this is, this is kind of one that annoys parents a lot. I think is, is that they are very good at remembering half-hearted commitments. Mm, like, yeah. oh, we can't do that right now. We're going to do that tomorrow. Yep. So can you think of anything else that describes the sticky brain child?
1: I don't know. I was just going to add um, that there is actually a scientific explanation for the sticky brain. And there's something, I, I don't remember exactly what it is, and I'll totally butcher it if I try to. Um, but in Susan Stifelman's book, parenting without power struggles, she actually um, explains the science behind the sticky brain because I mean, I mean, it actually is like a physical thing that happens in the children in, in the kid's brain and not every child has it. So that was super interesting. Yeah. I'm sorry that I can't remember exactly oh, the, that's a- the scientific terms behind it, but
0: <laughs> yeah, that's okay. And it's, it's not necessarily just uh, – there, there are several different things, and, and it's kind of a, a spectrum thing. And so that's the first thing I wanted to bring in when we start this conversation about sticky brain is, is sticky brain isn't bad. It's not – it's important not to think of it as a negative characteristic. Yeah. I think about and, – and this isn't – I'm not pointing to this as the source or anything, but I think about spectrum disorders, for example. They they sometimes carry this negative connotation when you talk about things like uh, being autistic or having what's the the high functioning
1: Asperger's Asperger's. Mm-hmm.
0: They sometimes carry these negative connotations, but really they're just they're just a a way of describing how the brain processes uh information, and so sticky brain comes can come from a lot of different things, but it's not bad. It's just, you know, your child falls somewhere in this range of children that have a tendency to behave a certain way based on what it is they've decided they want to do or how, or how they perceive their schedule. And so it's, it's important first to allow your mindset to align with that idea. And and that way, when you approach the sticky brain conversation, you can look at the strengths instead of the weaknesses. Yeah. So, sticky brain actually carries with it what we would consider very positive traits, especially in adults. You have things like focus, the the ability just to stick with a single task and not be interrupted by external things. That's something that I would love to have more of as an adult. <laughs> And then there's also the memory, you know, the ability to keep important dates and important information from getting diluted by other information in your brain and really being able to focus on those things.
1: Yeah. And I would add there too. I mean, I am a sticky brain person. Definitely. I used to drive my mom crazy because I would remember everything she said. I would remember everything um, that we needed to remember even before she did and, and that kind of stuff. And I would also say that as parents, um, if we do have a sticky brain, there are also some things that we might need to work through with that. Because at the same time that it's a good thing that we remember these things and that we have this linear focus and can balance things and uh, all of that, we also have the ability to hang on to things like hurts and you know the bad things that happen in life. We have a tendency to to be able to remember those really well as well. So I would, you know, I've, I've had to do that in my life, just filter through some of that stuff and tell the stories about it and try to work through it because I, because I remember it so well because my brain is sticky.
0: Yeah, it's good. It's so good to be self-aware.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's likely that if your child is sticky brain that you or your child's um, other parent have some of those same personality traits and so the more for whoever that's that's true, the more in touch you can be with how that influences your daily life, the things that you've done in your own life to manage those tendencies and make them strengths um, the easier it's going to be for you to apply those same things to your children and and that's part of what I'd really like for us to focus on is is recognize the potential strengths there and shape those behaviors and, and equip our, our children who have sticky brains in a way that allows them as they, as they grow into adults to use those strengths to their advantage and to be at least aware of, if not have some level of, of of having overcome the inherent weakness with those things. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm just going to add here too, that I think one of the things that having a sticky brain child has done for me is that it's made me much more careful about The things that I promise or even the words that I say, because, you know, if I tell him, hey, it's not time to color right now, but we can color as soon as you wake up tomorrow. Well, what if tomorrow Mm -hmm. we already have something else on the books and, you know, he's not going to have an opportunity to to color and he's going to remember that. Yeah. And then I'm going to look like I mean, he's he's called us liars before because of that kind of (laughs) thing, (laughs) because he's so, you know, I mean, he he just. He values what you say. And so that, that's made me much more careful as a parent yeah. to not say things that I can't follow through on.
0: And that's going to that's gonna be a major part of our strategy for helping our sticky brain children to overcome that. Yeah. Robert in the chat said, one positive thing about the sticky brain child is that his pers- persistence has translated into much greater patience when working on difficult tasks, puzzles, Legos, et Mm-hmm. I want to foster that stick without nourishing some of the unappealing aspects. And so I really, I, I just, I love this focus on recognizing the strengths yeah, and not just trying to get rid of that and, and call the whole thing an issue. Say, you know, there are some strengths here and let's do what we can to equip our children to be able to use those strengths to their advantage. Mm-hmm. So, in A couple of episodes ago, in episode 14, we talked about the secret to having cooperative kids, and a, a major part of that is is really the first step when it comes to helping your sticky brain child get unstuck, and that's fostering that connection. So both in the moment and just in general, in general, you want to be connected with your child and, and make sure that that relationship is strong. Because the the trust that they have and and the the relationship they have with you will the, the stronger that is the easier it's going to be for that relationship to override their natural tendency to want to just continue doing whatever it is they're doing. Mm-hmm. But in the moment um, when we connect first, and we we reinforce the idea that our relationship with them and, and what we're trying to do. Uh, whether it's something that we're doing as a family or something that we need to move to in the schedule, that what we're doing is about the relationship and, instead of being about making them stop doing whatever they're doing.
1: Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, too, that this week I've, I've dealt with this on multiple occasions because our oldest is probably the most sticky brainchild we have. Yeah. And he really, I mean, he will beat an idea to death before. It's exhausting. And, uh, he came to me several times. It was after I had already, you know, there's this transition when you and I hand off and the boys are laying down for naps and trying to have quiet time and they have quiet time pr- approved activities. And he came to me and he said, I just, I want to go sell some of my comic books out by the mailbox, which is, you know, it's up the road a ways. And I, I can't just look out the window and see him or something. Yeah, And so I was, I I just, you know, I kept telling him it's not the right time for that. This is not the right time. And I didn't handle it at all the right way that I, you know, the way that we know how to handle it because I was just so frustrated. And it was like the third time that he had come with something like that. And I had tried it the other way a few times and it, it worked. But it took a really long time. <laughs> yeah. And so I just, I was like, I don't have the energy to do this whole exchange again. So I'm just throwing that out there as this is an exhausting thing. And it,
0: yeah, it it's, is. It
1: it's going be. to be frustrating to parents. And, you know, as you find your way through the technique and some of the suggestions that we have, there are still going to be times when you're just so exhausted, you don't want to have the battle.
0: Yeah, and that's that's one of the things We're dealing with any kind of issue with kids is knowing which battles to cuz you can't fight all of them. You just can't. Yeah. And as much as they tell you you got to be consistent and you can't, you know, you can't give them any window of opportunity, but it's it it's almost impossible. So one of the things that I remember from a situation like that with Jaden is that he was he was really adamant about wanting to do something, and and I, I wasn't necessarily doing this on purpose, but I just I happened to dig a little bit deeper, and when I when I communicated with him and, and tried to discover his desires behind the request that he was making, um, I it it revealed something that I wouldn't necessarily say no to. What he was asking me to do, I would say no to. So it was what, what he was focused on was the, ve- the what he thought was the best vehicle to accomplish his desires. Yeah. And so sometimes it's a matter of digging a little bit deeper and trying to discover what the desires are behind the request. Mm-hmm. Because often we, and, and we've talked about this before, we, where we try to say yes instead of saying no. But but one of the things that makes it possible for us to say yes is to uncover the desire. So we wouldn't necessarily say yes to a specific request, but but the desire is most likely something that you want for your child. And so, yeah, and, and this is kind of a funny example, but with the books, you know, he wants to sell the books. Well, why do you want to sell the books? Because I want to make money. Well, yeah. okay, what do you, why do you want to make money? Well, because, you know, somebody's birthday is coming up and I really want to buy them something, you know, you, you don't know those things unless you probe a little bit deeper. And, and that's something that I'm totally, you know, I, once I heard that, I, I almost got my wallet out and and said, well, here, here's, I'll get, just give you some money. You want to be generous to somebody else. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it takes work to uncover that. So,
0: yeah. Winston, Winston in the chat room said he's a hustler. Ben,
1: <laughs> yeah. yes, he is. He's our entrepreneur.
0: Yeah, don't. That's that's good. That's good. I actually I took it to mean something else. Like, don't don't let you, don't let your child know that you're interested in their desires. Otherwise, they'll use them against you and just play you like a hustler. Hmm. No, I don't think that's true at all.
1: No, kids don't know how to do manipulation until they're like that's like a higher brain function they learn that around teenage <laughs> maybe eighth grade
0: So
1: okay
0: so still still on this connection piece one of the and and this is really important some a, a tendency that i have is to just spout out whatever it is whatever change is coming up i'll say okay and you know in five minutes we're gonna leave so one of the one of the things that you can do for your sticky brain child is you can give them a heads up.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You can let them know that a change is coming. And oftentimes they're much more receptive if the change isn't happening to them right then and they didn't know about it before that point. But even when you're giving them a heads up, it's important instead of just spouting it out and and throwing those words into the air hoping they land on your sticky brain child's ears it's important to get their attention you know physically go over and put your hand on their shoulders and maybe even move like grab the sides of their face and
1: <laughs> that's what we have to do sometimes
0: sometimes not not in like a rough no. but just, just hey look at me real quick yeah um but but make sure that you that you have that connection so that when you communicate that a change is coming those words don't fall on preoccupied ears.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, another thing that you can do if you want to go a step further is you can gain agreement and even work together in that moment on a strategy for what's going to happen when that change comes or how, how they'll know when it's time to, to stop doing what they're doing. Um, so you could do something like set a timer. hmm You could have some kind of secret funny signal, (laughs) like a bird call or something like that. You you know, be creative with it. But, uh, But something that can be really powerful is to allow your child to be a part of that process of coming up with that. So not only are you greatly increasing your chances that your child is going to have an easier time transitioning away from whatever it is they're doing, but you're also teaching them how to have power and control over this natural tendency they have to continue doing the same thing, which can be a huge asset for them later in life. If that's something that they continue to put into practice.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: That reminds me, we need to go buy another timer.
1: Yeah. Well, we have a bunch.
0: Did I thought the one that we had broke, like somebody threw it against a wall. (laughs) I mean,
1: you shouldn't say that on a live show.
0: That's true. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think it might have been you who I'm just kidding. No.:
0: <laughs> another, another part of this connection. this is I don't know, I, I most want to tell you, if you're listening to this, go back and listen to number 14 again, because there's a lot of great stuff in there. Empathy is huge. It's really important for us to really put ourselves in our children's shoes even non-sticky brain children, children who seem generally compliant, we might take for granted the fact that they're typically obedient, but think about the way that we're delivering the message. You know, how do we feel as adults when we're in the middle of doing something and our children come and interrupt us with their agenda and their schedule? Very angry. Things that we don't feel are important. Well, our children are feel that way too yeah in in their minds in their world what they're doing is very important and the fact that you need to go to the bank why would that matter to them at all
1: or that you need to have dinner when they're like creating a an awesome book
0: yeah I can't I, I don't feel my hunger right now why are you bothering me about dinner
1: yeah mm-hmm.
0: but then empathy that empathy really it's it's not uh meant to excuse what they're doing or to make it okay for them not to be obedient and compliant in those situations, but it's a way that we put ourselves on their side and understand the situation from their perspective, which helps us to to communicate in a more effective way. When we can articulate their desires back to them in our own words, it helps them to see that we understand how they feel. Yeah. And when they, when they have that connection with us, they're more willing to listen to us and listen to our side of the story and why our agenda is important too.
1: And also before we can get them to redirect their focus, there has to be that connection piece. Because if you just come up to a child and you're like, you know, you, you, you take the papers away and you put them away or something and how, I mean, how would you feel if somebody took your computer away when you were... Designing something because it was time for dinner you know I think about those things a lot because you know I, I want to be an honoring parent to my kids and the way that I feel honored is when people you know take care of my time and stuff like that and so the connection piece is super important
0: yeah i can't I can't imagine sitting up here working on on my computer in the afternoon you know i'm I'm in the middle of a project and I know that I know that dinner's coming, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I I know that it's, it's about time for me to come down, but I just have a few more things that I need to do. What if you were to come up and be like, Ben, it's dinner time and you put my computer (laughs) to sleep.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh.
0: I would would be so upset.
1: I would probably punch myself. What? It's a really jerk thing to do. Oh yeah. Okay.
0: (laughs) Corey, when we were talking about this in the chat earlier, Corey Miller said, Honestly, it sounds like I'm the sticky brained one.
1: Oh, yeah. I definitely have issues with sticky brain. And I think that helps me understand more. And it also annoys me so much <laughs> more. <laughs> yeah. Because I do understand it. And uh, I think maybe I think that you're a more empathetic person when it comes to the sticky brain than even I am because I'm just like, get over it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't ever say that, of course, but in my brain, I'm thinking, I do not have time to connect and redirect and
0: (laughs) yeah well I'm definitely not as sticky brained as you in some ways and then in other ways I can be very sticky brained and and just very focused and you know almost like the the world fades away and whatever it is I'm working on is my only focus I
1: think creative people are usually sticky brained in some ways
0: yeah so this is this isn't one that we struggle with as much but but for the sticky brain child who has difficulty with changes in routine, and hopefully this doesn't happen often, but it's true that as your child grows, as they become involved in different activities, when they start school, if they're going to a childcare, if, if, if you have to move, you know there are many things that could potentially come in and change the routine that your child is accustomed to. Now, our children are generally pretty good about changes to routine. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that that's something we've got to.
1: They weren't always that way, though. I mean, the sticky brained one, Jaden, when he was younger, I think as he matured, he has been able to handle things like that better. But I remember when he was two or three and any time there was a night when we had a gig or something and we didn't get to read stories. Oh, my gosh. It would be like an hour before he would even go to bed because he was screaming and crying about not getting a story oh, that night. Yeah. So uh so I think it's definitely it it definitely happened. We just don't remember it as well because he's now eight and he doesn't do that kind of stuff anymore.
0: Yeah. So so a few things that we can do to help our sticky brain child with that is hopefully most of the time we know ahead of time when those changes are coming. And we can anticipate those and and have some kind of a plan in place for mm-hmm. for when those changes are going to happen sit down and talk to your child as much as they can understand and and help them help them to grasp the idea that these these changes are going to be happening maybe even if they can understand a little bit more help them work with you to come up with a new schedule and one of the things that really helps us is actually writing the schedule down.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I find that when we've done that and our kids have something visual that they can look to when a change is made, as long as it's, as long as it's there in the writing, it's, it's okay. It's like, if it's, it's almost like the contract, you know, like verbal agreements don't count. Yeah. It's gotta be in writing.
1: Well, and I think that as we've put some of this, you know, some of the, routine and the rules that we have in our house and things like that more in place. It's helped with, it's actually helped with the sticky brainness Yeah. because you know, they understand their expectations and they understand the boundaries and those kinds of things. And that starts helping more when they're, you know, the school age and they start understanding what things like rules are and stuff. So, uh, and I was going to say that sometimes the sticky brainness can, come out in different ways than just um sitting down and and being resistant to stopping what they're doing or uh feeling resistance over schedule schedule change or something. Um and I think an example of this is when uh we were about to have our last son Asher and we had our oldest son in counseling because he was just having some behavioral issues and we weren't really sure what was going on and it turned up that he was really anxious about welcoming another brother and how that was going to change his role in the family and how our schedule might change, what kind of responsibilities he would have because of that. And so I think sometimes our kids can be struggling with this and we, you know, they may be struggling with it in ways that aren't as obvious to us. And so it's worth it to do that work, to dig it out.
0: And, you, you think about the complexity of those emotions, their ability to feel those feelings is far beyond their ability to communicate. Right. Them. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's true for me sometimes too, where I just, the, the things that I'm feeling, I, I even have difficulty expressing that. And, and so I think about how much more difficult that must be for our children. Yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm very glad that we had him in counseling and, Uh, And and that he was able to uncover some of that stuff. But that's a, that's another thing that we can do sometimes is we can take a step back and just look at the bigger picture, look at all of the things that are going on because it's likely that the thing that, that is bothering your child, that's giving them some anxiety or or fear or frustration, isn't something that they are, are yet capable of articulating well. Mm -hmm. And so it, kind of becomes something that you can discover for them. And, and I found I found that even when I sat down with Jaden and tried to talk to him about it, he shrugged it off a little bit and was like, "Oh, I I yeah, it's going to be okay," you know, and he and he's also he also feels excited and and he's looking forward to it, but it's just so confusing and complicated for him that he doesn't even know how to wrestle with that.
2: Mhm. Yeah.
0: So another way that we can help our children with changes in routine is make some incremental changes. So instead of just going from, okay, here's, here's the schedule that you're used to. And then tomorrow we're going to go to this completely new schedule. If there, if it's something that you can incrementally change, maybe, maybe their bedtime is going to change. And so you shave off 15 minutes a night for the next several nights or whatever. Some something like that can help them ease into a new schedule. But I, I come back to this because I I just really love this when we allow them to be a part of that process and a part of coming up with that plan. It gives it gives them the practice for managing those things on their own, so that when they grow into adults, they're equipped with the ability to manage those things Mm -hmm. and to, and to come up with those plans for themselves.
1: I mean, it's problem solving techniques. Obviously we're the end of the line, you know, we get, we get to make the final decision. So it's not going to be like, well, I think I should go to bed an hour later instead of an hour earlier. You know, it's not that kind of thing. It's just inviting them into the process of, okay, Hey, your, your bedtime needs to be, Half an hour earlier because you're just not getting enough sleep. How do you think we should manage that over the next week? Right. So,
0: so the f- finally, just having being intentional and having a plan is really important. And if you're going to schedule something, or oh, I'm sorry. So, this is where uh, I'm thinking about that instance where our child is doing something and we, we have to move on to something else or they have an idea and they want to do something, but it's not the appropriate time for them to do that. Mm-hmm. If you would, at, at a different time, give them permission to do it instead of saying, oh, let's do that. You can do that tomorrow. Instead of just saying something broad, right? Get, get specific and say, okay, let's put something on the schedule. And Charlotte said this in the chat room, and this is really similar to what you were saying earlier, Rachel. She said, I've noticed that my sticky brain child makes me much more intentional about the things I say to children. There's no such thing as a throwaway comment or empty promise. Nope. If I delay a middle of the night, a middle of the night request by saying, we'll do that in the morning, I'd better be prepared for him to ask to do it as soon as he wakes up.
1: Yep. And I remember even as a toddler, uh, like, I mean, he had a rich vocabulary by the time he was like 18 months and he would, he would ask about the things we had promised for the next day. And I remember family members commenting on it. Like, how does he remember that? Yeah. And we used to think like, oh, because he's really brilliant, you know, but (laughs) (laughs) it's because he has a really sticky brain. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, you can't, you can't promise something and then. You know what? I've been doing this is just a confession. Lately when it's like almost my turn to be off my shift, I'm like, "Why don't you ask Daddy about it?" Oh. <laughs> Such a cheating phrase. Wow. So, yeah, sorry about that. I keep throwing you under the bus.
0: Yeah, I said I do that. I do that when you're on duty, like if I'm downstairs. Yeah. Even if <laughs> even if I could answer the question. Yeah. I'm like, "No, ask Mama." It's it's like it, it almost takes so much energy to think through whether or not well, that yeah. is something it.
1: Because you have to think you have to really think about your response.
0: Yeah. And if you're distracted, that's that's the thing that one of the things that you can do. And this is this is good for the sticky brain child because sometimes you can't answer them right then and there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the best you can do is say, I really want to answer that question and I've I've got to focus on this right now. Maybe you're dealing with another kid or maybe you're, you're in the middle of doing something that you can't get away from. And so it's good for them to develop that patience. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that just comes by necessity because you can't be pulled away from what you're doing. Yeah. Which ironically is kind of what the sticky brain. (laughs) So, so that's, one of the things that we can do is, is to be intentional and and come up with a plan and a strategy for when that thing can happen, Mm -hmm. you know, put it in the schedule and just keeping a schedule in general. Like, like we said earlier is really helpful for a sticky brainchild because it helps them to know what to expect and, and when those transitions are coming. And I also like to have a plan for when things don't go as planned. Mm-hmm. And that's just to say that you have a conversation with your child and you say, you know what, things aren't always going to go the way that we plan for them to think. We're not always going to be able to follow our schedule. What do you think we can do when that happens to help us adjust, you know, and, and come up with, come up with a plan with your child, maybe some kind of, Phrase or keyword that you use to help remind them that this is a reality that they'll just have to to learn to work with.
1: Mm-hmm. I was going to add. I don't know if this, you know, has a place in this part of the podcast, but something that I've been trying to do this last week is approach some of the things that the kids do as if it doesn't personally affect me. Yeah. So what that what that means is. When I want them to clean up because it's time to have lunch and their toys are all over the place. I don't or I try not to let myself feel personally connected to the result of cleanup. Yeah. As in like, you know, a tidy floor that I can walk on and I just make observations and I'll set a timer and I'll just let them know, oh, four and a half more minutes. and. It's helped me approach it with a more, I guess, a a calmer demeanor just because when you're, when you're personally affected by what your child does and you, you are more than just, you know, this independent observer or something, your child senses that when there's, when there's something that you gain from that and they don't want to do it, there's even more resistance from that, you know? Yeah. It's and like, so,
0: well, the only reason you're asking me is because it benefits you.
1: Yeah. Because, and even our our sticky brain child has picked up the phrase, well, I don't need to do that. You just want me to do it, you know? And it's true. Yeah. We just want him to do it. And so, you know, and and the the thing that helps with that, obviously, is having consequences in place for if you don't clean this stuff up before lunch, you know, it goes up on a shelf and... Oh, we don't get to play with the cars for a week, you know. Yeah. It I I don't know. It's just really helped me to to stay calmer when it comes to like the the resistance that I get from when they're not ready to put that away. Yeah. And they know and you have to have this conversation first too, you know. They have to know exactly what the consequence is and that kind of thing. I'd but. like
0: to I'd like to continue this conversation in the after show because I've got some questions. Oh, okay. Not necessarily, maybe playing a little bit of devil's advocate, but, but I really like where you're going with that. May even have to make an episode of it. Yeah. (laughs) Sweet. Oh, go ahead. I
1: was just going to say it helps me with the sticky brain child too. If I'm not quite as invested in what he does and that kind of thing, because it's, it's not really affecting me what his consequence is. It's just affecting him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, so I have some questions that I got from the members in the chat room. Members of the Sean West community at seanwest.com community. You should check that out. This one is from Charlotte. She says, I have an occasionally sticky brain child in my youngest, usually easygoing. He occasionally gets completely fixated and inconsolable. How do we figure out how to fight those battles? Is it easier to give him his way since it's rare to have him so focused? But when we can't, for whatever reason, it makes him that much more sticky-brained.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. it will.
0: That's interesting because I think I've, I've seen that every once in a while with not, definitely not with our oldest because he's pretty consistently sticky-brained. Yeah. But sometimes, <laughs> <All the time. laughs> sometimes it's more about the fact that they can't have what they want than it is about the specific thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's like, oh, you're going to take this away from me. And now I want it even more.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that seems, that seems like a pretty natural human tendency. We, and I think that this is even a marketing tactic that's used with the idea of scarcity.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We could care less whether or not some product out there exists, but when it comes into our consciousness that this product is exclusive and it's and it's in limited supply and it's going to be going away forever after this. Suddenly, there's a part of us that that is interested, you know, oh, the, we'll never have another chance to buy this thing.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, I
0: didn't need it, but now I feel like I might.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So I I wonder if it kind of has something to do with that. I would I would say it's still worth I mean, pick pick your battles. Yeah but it's still worth helping them to use that in a more productive way and to highlight the positive aspects of that behavioral tendency. And so, yes, you do want to encourage the focus and the tenacity and even even some of that fight, you know, that, that fight for the things that they want. You don't want to break that spirit, but that's got to be tempered with also the ability to recognize when it's time to put something down Mm -hmm. to trust that you can come back to something later. And, and so I think there's a, there's definitely a balance to be had there.
1: Yeah. And I think it's valuable for them to learn that, you know, even if they work for themselves someday where they have more freedom to create and, you know, do the things that they love to do, they're, most likely, well, I don't want to say most likely, but they're possibly going to have a family. They're going to have friends. And, you know, if if you're just in working all the time and never have a break and never can put something down until it's completely finished, I feel like you're not really living life either. And your art is going to suffer for that.
0: Well, and one of the things that I realized is I was – I was doing this thing mentally where if I couldn't sit down and just work on it all at once, I wasn't going to do it.
2: Mm. And
0: so I would procrastinate. There were a lot of things that would just go undone. And so I had to come to a point where I recognized that unless I, unless I allowed myself to make incremental progress on things, I wasn't going to get anything accomplished that I wanted to Mm -hmm. because when you have big dreams and big goals there 's no way that you can do that in one sitting it 's got to be something that happens incrementally it's small daily steps and and so that 's one of the challenges of the sticky brain is recognizing the value in those incremental gains mm-hmm. because it doesn't it doesn't feel like a lot of progress or or it doesn't feel like success when you 're just seeing the bar move a few inches. Yeah. But over time, that's when you see the, that's how you see the results is by making those, those little moves.
1: So I wonder what happened to you as a kid to make you believe that (laughs) you had to sit down all at once. That would be interesting to uncover.
0: I don't know how to get into it. (laughs) Hannah said, I'm currently reading raising your spirited child.
1: Oh, it's such a good book.
0: Can you remind me who that's by?
1: It's a Mary. Uh, Crescinda is some weird last name. Okay. I have it on our shelf.
0: Okay. We'll find it and we'll put it in the show notes.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't remember the last name of the author. So that's
0: okay. So you'll, you go to in the boat with slash 17 and we'll have the the name of the author there in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But she says, I'm I'm currently reading raising your spirit child, which I know Rachel has read. The book talks about setting up routines to help with difficult transitions. And I'm wondering if you've had, Success with that, especially when a child gets into the habit of being stubborn about an issue. So I feel like earlier in the episode we talked about how routines have helped us with I, with our. Go I ahead.
1: Ha, I have the last name real quick if you want
0: to. Hear, oh, okay. Know it. Yeah. It's
1: Mary. Mary Kursinka.
0: Mary Kursinka. Yeah, it's
1: a weird last name. Raising so. your
0: spirited child, really good book. You should check it out. Yeah. But earlier in the episode we talked about how routines have really helped us and so mm-hmm. i would say that they're definitely effective especially if if it's something that you are able to stick to consistently especially if it's something that you can make your child a, a part of the process of coming up with that routine mm-hmm. and they feel like they've got some buy in and i would say especially if you've got it written down somewhere
1: mm-hmm.
0: where you can where you can just point back to it
1: Now, I would also say that if there is a deviation from that routine for the sticky brain child, that's really, really hard. So it's worth it to have that conversation before it happens. So like if you, you know, if you have a nightly commitment and one night you can't do the the routine exactly as it appears, then sometimes those sticky brain child children need to be informed of that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So because we've had battles over that
0: too. Mm Mm-hmm. So when I originally asked the question in the chat, I made a comment and I said, our oldest is this way, which we've been saying throughout the episode. (laughs) He sometimes gets ideas and it doesn't matter what time of day, whether or not people are trying to sleep. Once he's got it in his head that he's going to do something, it's very hard to reason with him about waiting until a more appropriate time. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And Robert responded to that and said, appropriate time is one of the biggest challenges for our sticky brain child. Even though he's young. He understands the sequence of first this, then that. Yet once he hears something that he's stuck on, he fixates. He fixates on skipping the this and getting right to the that. Yeah. And.
1: His son is three, right? I believe so. Yeah, we have a we have a three year old sticky brain one too. Remember the chore
0: mm-hmm. he
1: wanted to do? He cried for an hour because he didn't get to take out the trash.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Was, oh, I, I,
1: love,
0: I love that work ethic.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: That desire to be a helpful, <laughs> contributing member of the family. Yeah. And yes. So it's weird. It's, it's almost like because of how strong it's, I, I think of it this way. It's like when you're looking at one of those optical illusions, you know, and they tell you focus on this dot in the center of the thing. And and eventually, because you're focusing there so much, your eyes start to let the stuff that's in the periphery just kind of fade away. And it's kind of like that with these tasks sometimes or these ideas. Your, your child may understand the sequence of events. They may understand this has to happen first before that can. But when they're, when they're fixated on it and... That that other stuff is kind of faded out in their periphery. They don't have the same kind of relationship to that information that you do. You've got a very logical connection in your mind, and and you can see the sequence really clearly. But for them, that's gone out the window. Mm-hmm. And so that's where connecting, and especially on an emotional level, because they're in in a lot of ways when they get sticky with something, they're dealing with it. On more of an emotional level than they are in a a logical level. And so you have to go there with them first. You have to make that connection and then you can guide them back to a more logical relationship with that information.
1: Mm -hmm. And even though this whole process takes a lot of time, there's such value in practicing it with our children because the more the sticky brain child practices putting something aside because there's something that the family is going to do together, the more he gets to see that when he puts this comic book aside, he can still pick it back up and remember a coherent storyline. And, the, you know, the, the, the value that he gets from that, knowing that he can, he can keep that storyline in his head and keep it going, that's hugely important yeah. for children. Because, they're, you know, they're just starting to learn how to believe in themselves. And part of, I mean, it's not that we throw these things as adversity in their path. But the more that we can walk them through situations like that where they don't just, you know, get what they want and, and keep working on something until it's bedtime and they haven't had dinner or whatever, the more that they will learn that it's not the end of the world and there is another day and they can just pick it back up.
0: Yeah. I also, when, when you're talking about that, I also had this thought of beware of adding unnecessary adversity. And so sometimes you might just have a knee-jerk reaction of saying no to something that really, if you thought about it, you didn't have to say no to.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now that you said those words out loud, you don't want to go back on you because then it makes you look, no, just it's, it's always okay to backpedal and say, you know what, I've actually thought about this. I said no, but now that I think about it, I think it's okay for you to do this. For example, the book thing. Mm -hmm. It may be that we're going to the store and I just have this thing in my head for whatever reason that he can't take a book with him, that he has to stop reading right then and there. Well, no, he could take the book in the car with him. He could probably even take the book. I mean, as, as annoying as this is to me, he could probably even take the book into the store with him and read it while he's following us around as we're getting the groceries. So
1: he actually did that the whole night for me, the teacher, except when we were meeting his teacher, (laughs) he read a book the whole time down the hallway. (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, and there may be a conversation to be had there, but, but what I, the point I'm trying to make is be careful not to get ahead of yourself and make snap decisions when maybe a no isn't necessary right mm-hmm. then and there. Yeah. All right. Did you have anything else on this one?
1: Um, I was going to say that sometimes with our sticky brain child, every now and then, I'll just, you know, when he asks for a request and I'm not quite ready to grant that request, I'll just, I'll say, well, why don't you convince me? And so he's got this whole, you know, spiel that he has out and I'm like, well, I'm not quite convinced yet. Can you, can you kind (laughs) of, you know, tweak that a little bit and try to convince me again, you know, because it really is good. I mean, some, some people are like, never negotiate with your kid, but I feel like it's really valuable for them to engage in that back and forth and to know that I am open to hearing what they have to say. I may still say no. And that's, you know, that's just the, the way of the game, but, but it is valuable for them to take ownership and, you know, they're going to have to do some persuasive speaking eventually in whatever, you know, job they choose or career path they pursue.
0: I really like that because it's, I, I'm definitely in favor of not just sh- shutting our children down anytime they disagree with us. Mm-hmm. It's important for them to, to develop their chops and, and to have a healthy relationship with authority doesn't mean that you always follow every rule and do everything you're told to do. To have a healthy relationship with authority is to understand your position with somebody, but also to have the courage and the clarity to communicate your thoughts and your ideas in a way that's respectful and, and, potentially even persuasive enough to make things go the way that you des- desire for them to go for the for the better of everybody involved.
1: Yeah. I mean it helps you clarify your vision too, which is you know, that's practice for him.
0: Yep. All right, well this was really good stuff. Yep. Rachel, where can people go to find us online?
1: In the boat with ben.com.
0: That's right. At in Ben.com. We have all of our episodes. You can read show notes. You can listen there. You can also sign up for our email newsletter, which we send out once a week. And if you want to find Rachel, she is at racheltolson.com. She is also on Twitter at Rachel Tolson. Go follow her. Why, Rachel, why should people follow you on Twitter? <laughs> what are, no, what are some, for, for our audience of of parents and people who are raising children and try to, trying to balance their you know, creativity and work with their family life. What are some, what are some of the helpful things that you do on Twitter?
1: Uh, I mean, I tweet about emotional intelligence and a lot of books that I'm reading and that kind of thing. So I'm sold. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm going to go follow you right now. Oh, mm-hmm. I'd already do.
1: Yeah. You're silly.
0: You can also follow me on Twitter at Ben Tolson. If you want to help out the show, go to seanwest.com slash community. The reason this show is possible is because there are community members whose, whose memberships support the show and the value that we get from them just being a part of the community far outweighs well, what supports the show it's it's not just that this show can happen but it's the conversations that we get to have with the folks who are there the things that we learn about ourselves and about the work that we're doing and about our lives and it's just a really amazing place go check it out seanwes.com slash community thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week thank you talking about the, what, what I wanted to mention here in the after show about not attaching yourself emotionally to the outcome.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the thing that's a little bit challenging about that for me is that I also, I, I want to be careful not to demonstrate that our actions don't have an effect on other people. So, I and I think I know what you're saying. So, if they don't do their chores or if they don't clean up their cars, well, that does affect me because if they don't do it, somebody has to do it. Yeah, because i've I've chosen for myself that I don't want to live in a messy house. Then why did you have kids? Okay, well, and then <laughs> and then I start to get in this conversation with myself about re- personal responsibility and how the. <laughs> and And this isn't necessarily healthy. I'm not prescribing this i'm just i'm I'm really thinking out loud here, so, so I'm thinking well the the messes that the kids make are also my messes in in the sense that I'm responsible for them and and I don't know i I don't want my personal responsibility to extend beyond where it's supposed to reach, but at the same time, I want to demonstrate what it looks like to be a responsible person and to say of of any situation, even though that's not my fault, how can I take responsibility for the situation and remain in a position of power? Mm-hmm. And then how do I remain responsible for a situation without feeling connected to the outcome of that situation?
1: Well, I think what I mean by not connected to the outcome is that say they are doing art on the art table, and we've had a lot of the the summer where there are just papers everywhere. And, you know, crayons are all over the floor and they have a certain amount of time. You know, I usually give them about 10 minutes to clean up before lunchtime. Yeah. And that's plenty of time because we don't allow them to have a lot of stuff out at once anyway. So what I mean by not feeling connected to the outcome of that is that When, you know, whether or not they're cleaning up, I know that I can clean it up in probably like three minutes. Yeah. But I want them to take initiative to do it because it's their mess. So the, but the consequence that we have established for any kind of cleanup battle is that if this is not taken care of, then you just don't get to do it for a couple of days because I'm not going to be responsible for your mess. You're responsible for your own mess. And so disconnecting yourself from the outcome looks like I'm not personally affected by this mess because it's not my consequence. Like, I almost don't want you to clean up because then it means I don't have to deal with these papers for a few days.
0: You know, there is, um, and I'm still playing devil's advocate a little bit here, but there is, there is a consequence. So for example, the, the consequence that I experience as the parent for allowing my child to use the art supplies or the potential consequence I'll say the potential consequence is that they won't clean them up and I'll have to do it so that is that is a, a responsibility that I've taken on but and, and I don't know maybe I'm mincing words here a little bit but if they if they choose not to clean those things up they're basically handing the responsibility of the art supplies over to me So, Mm -hmm. so you're no longer, you're no longer being responsible for that. So now I get to be responsible for it. And as long as I'm responsible for it, this is what we're going to do.
1: Well, so I don't know if you do this on your shift, but whenever, uh, whenever they have a ton of papers everywhere, we have a motto in our house that everything has a place. Yeah. And so if those papers don't get back to their place, what happens? Um, they get thrown away. Now, I do go through them. And if I really like it, I'll keep it in their little, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, it sounds kind of heartless, but the kids know. They know the consequence. They know what is expected of them. And so I'm no longer connected to that outcome. And, I mean, it is annoying that you have to take the three minutes to clean that up. But, but what are they losing? They're losing the ability to do art tomorrow, which is huge for them because yeah. they want to do it every hour of every day. And so, to, when tomorrow rolls around, and we re, we are able to have that conversation and remind them, you know, yesterday you had a little bit of trouble with this, and so um, we're gonna we're gonna take a few days until you're a little bit older and can manage the cleanup. And that's usually the language I try to to take with them. You know, yeah. If they do something that, you know, like they they dump a bunch of toys out and then they don't clean them up, I always say, you know, we're gonna wait until you're a few days older and see if we can you know try this again yeah. and
0: you need you need a few more days of life experience before you can <laughs> handle this again uh i like that
1: yeah so it it just helps me because the times that i've been emotionally connected to it it's really hard for me to have empathy with them you know and 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 also what you do i mean i mean what i do as far as not being emotionally connected to that is i just observe things you know i say oh we, we only have four and a half minutes left on the timer. I still see a lot of papers on the floor. Are you guys going to make it? You know, and it's not like I'm clean up now, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. And it just, it, it helps them to realize, oh, she's not really connected to this. That means the burden falls on me.
0: You know, where you know? I think, where I think we get in trouble often is not necessarily the, the connection that we have to them cleaning up, the connection that we have to the thing that may or may not be possible or that may or may not be effective affected if they don't clean up Mm -hmm. so if they don't clean up and we have to spend 10 minutes of our own time cleaning it up and there's something that we have to go do or maybe we have to pick somebody up from something and we're going to be late you know those kinds of things so i that's that's where i need to do the most work is and, and and this is just in general, not even having to do with the kids, mm-hmm. but my emotional connection to the outcome of anything in my life yeah. could come into play because of a decision that the children are making yeah. about whether or not to do something they're supposed to do.
1: It's so much more freeing to just be like a, an observer about it and just, you know, because they get to be responsible for the consequence of that. And it's not, it's not on me, you know? Yeah. Hey, we're leaving the house in 10 minutes. You don't have your shoes on? guess you get to go barefoot,
0: but, but, uh,
1: (laughs) I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that,
0: but I'm saying, can you, can you go beyond that and be that way in your life?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I guess I'm going to be 10 minutes late. Like just observing the fact that you're going to be 10 minutes late, picking up your child from school.
1: I can't do that with the lateness though. I have a thing about lateness.
0: (laughs) No, I do too. Yeah. Well, not as much as you do. Apparently, Yeah.
1: I have a really bad one. No, I, what I was thinking the, about the shoe thing is we could pick out these like really ugly shoes. And if they aren't Croc, ready to like go, Crocs. <laughs> if they aren't ready to go like they don't have their shoes on, we just keep them in the car. We're like, "Oh, you get to wear the ugly shoes."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get to wear the car shoes.
1: That'd be terrible.
0: <laughs> they probably like them. That's the the weird thing is they yeah, they end up using it against us somehow. Mm,
1: yeah. Probably so.
0: Us against them.